following sermon is by Andy Lake, the senior pastor of Liberty Bible Church. This program, Grow in Liberty, is the preaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church in Vienna, Ohio. Liberty Bible Church places a priority on the Word of God over all else and has a desire to share truth with believers and non-believers alike. Our prayer is that as people tune in, they would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Join us as we grow together through the Word of God. All right, children, you are dismissed, and you can head on to your class. While they're making their way, if you would open up to the book of Joel, Joel chapter number 3. Joel chapter 3. As we come to this conclusion of our study, and I looked at several different ways that we could work through chapter number three, um, thought about splitting it up into three different sections, and uh, I could have been here for another three weeks, um, but I kept finding myself coming back to keeping this entire chapter together as one uh, message, and so I just felt, well, if that's the way the direction, that's the direction the Lord's going to lead me, then that's the direction I'm going to take it. And so, um, through our study, we have seen the gospel presented clearly and thoroughly. Uh, Now, we come to this finale of the book, and not only is it the finale of the book of Joel itself, but really it exposes the finale finale of the Lord's day. It really kind of puts everything out there as sort of a finale of history itself. And so as we make our way through what remains of this book, I want you to be asking yourself one simple question, am I ready for that day? Now, the day of the Lord is approaching. It's coming. Are you ready for it? This is really what we want to zero in on this morning. And so stand with me if you would, as we read from the book of Joel, standing for the out of respect to the Lord, to the Word of God. Starting in verse number 1. For behold, in those days and in that time, when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there. For my people and for my heritage, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. And they have cast lots for my people and have given a boy for an harlot and sold a girl for wine that they may drink. Yea, and what have ye to do with me, O Tyre and Zidon, and all the coasts of Palestine? Will ye render me a recompense? And if ye recompense me swiftly and speedily, will I return you your recompense upon your own head? Because I, ye have taken my silver and my gold and have carried into your temples my goodly pleasant things. 
the children also of Judah and the children of Jerusalem ye have sold to the Grecians that ye might remove them far from their border. Behold, I will rise them out of the place whither ye have sold them and will return your recompense upon your own head. And I will sell your sons and your daughters in the hand of the children of Judah. Uh, and they shall sell them to the Sabaeans, to people far off, for the Lord hath spoken it. Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of, the, of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Assemble yourselves and come all ye heathen and gather yourselves together round about thither. Cause thy mighty ones to come down, O Lord. Let all the heathen, uh, let the heathen be wakened and come up into the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. Put ye in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down for the press is full and the fats overflow for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon shall be darkened, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. The Lord also shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth shall shake. But the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. So shall ye know that I am the Lord your God dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. Then shall Jerusalem be holy, and there shall no strangers pass through her anymore. And it shall come to pass in that day that the mountains shall drop down new wine, and the hills shall flow with milk, and all the rivers of Judah shall flow with waters, and of the fountain shall come forth of the house of the Lord, and shall water the valley of Shittim. Egypt shall be desolation, and Edom shall be a desolate wilderness for the violence against the children of Judah because they have shed innocent blood in their land. But Judah shall dwell forever, and Jerusalem from generation to generation. For I will cleanse their blood that I have not cleansed, for the Lord dwelleth in Zion. Father, we ask you to bless the reading of your word to our hearts. Father, as we look into your word, thanking you for giving it to us, we commit ourselves at this time to obeying what it is that you show us through these pages. Thank you, Father, again in advance for what you're going to do in our hearts. For it's in your son's name we pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As... uh, As we have seen time and time again, Joel points us to that day of the Lord. And I referred to this as the day when God's merciful patience runs out. It's that day when the Lord will finally say, enough is enough. It's the day when he will finally call into account everything that we think is going unchecked. It's that that day of the Lord, and I, I referred to this as, as that moment, but I want us to see that this, uh, this Joel now brings uh, uh, to reveal what this day will be like. And he gives to us a picture of that day of the Lord kind of coming to this uh, conclusion, this fulfillment. 
Now, uh, we looked again uh, at the entirety of the book of Joel last week and how that it, uh, uh, it tied the gospel in very well. And last week, we looked at the outcome of the gospel being that outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And now people have the opportunity and the privilege of being able to have a personal relationship with their Lord and being able to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. And this is a wonderful thing. This is a beautiful th- uh, truth. And, and when we look at it from that perspective, then we come now to the fulfillment and the climax, so to speak, of the gospel. It's not just, please don't misunderstand me on this, the gospel is not just about you going to heaven. If that's all that salvation is to you, my friend, you have missed the bigger picture. Salvation is not about you going to heaven. It's about the glory of God. It's a beautiful thing. I've had people ask me before, well, why would God even put the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden to begin with? If he knows all things are going to take place and he knows everything before it ever happens, why would he do it? He knew that man was going to fall. Yes, don't forget about that. And, and people sometimes think to themselves, well, it's like he set him up on purpose for failure. Hey, your own question answers. Because not only did he know man was going to fall, he also knew he was going to have to die. You see, before time began, he knew everything that was coming into play. And it's not like he, he made everything perfect and then Adam and Eve messed it up and now he has to come in and has some sort of reaction. Now I have to save them. No, he knew that before he spoke the worlds into existence. It's a beautiful picture of the grace and the mercy and the glory of our God. Again, we're going to look at this, and we're going to try to break this chapter up into three basic sections, the first being verses 1 through 3. And there is at once a present, a future, and an end view uh, to the prophecy here. And Joel is seeing the complete deliverance now uh, which has yet to come. I want you to notice there in verse number one, in those days and in that time, I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem. This word captivity just basically means things taken. It can be in reference to people, captives, or it can be in reference to physical, tangible goods. Uh, Later on, he talks about how they had taken his gold and his silver, and then he also talks about the land and so this is, it's not just about the people. Sometimes we see that captivity and we think, okay, the people are going to be brought back together. No, no, no. God's making a promise here. Everything that is mine is coming back. Now, in looking at this, this, uh, this idea here, there's coming a day, I want us to understand, there is coming a day when God will set the records straight. It's going to be a beautiful day for some be a fearful day for others. And as I said before, I want you asking yourself during this, are you ready for that day? Are you prepared? What is that day going to be like for you? Because everything belongs to him. We've got to get this right. We, we look at it and we say, well, wait a minute, the land wasn't actually theirs. He took it from this grouping. Just, just pause for a moment. Who made it all? 
So who owns it all? And so why do we get bickering about, well, it belonged to this group, then it belonged to this group, and now he's taking it from there. No, it's God's. <laughs> Everything belongs to him. It's, uh, it, it's, it's kind of equivalent. I always think about uh, this when I, when I get into that. I think about my children, and I love my kids, and I will give them the shirt off my back if it's going to help them. But there are times where they forget that my room is actually my room. Right? I remember that growing up as, as, a, as a young man, as a teenager. I remember my dad took my door off my hinges. He says, I don't remember your name being put on the mortgage. That's my room. That's my door. That's my hinges. And I'll take it wherever I want to take it. So I lived my life without a door for a little while. You see, <laughs> everything belongs to God. And he makes promises. He lets it be known that if you follow me, it will go well with you. If you don't, it won't. Because God loves to pour out blessings. But why would he pour out blessings on those who reject him and hate him? Why would would we expect him to do that? Now, a beautiful thing that we're going to look at, I want us to get this as kind of a side note. Starting next week, we're going to look at the book of Jonah where God poured out some blessings on people who did not follow him. He sent a man to get their attention just so he could bless them. Just as a side note. But God blesses those who seek him. He owes nothing to those who want no part of him. As a matter of fact, God is so good in his character that those who say, I don't want anything to do with God, he says, have it your way. He's not going to push himself on anybody. He's a gracious, he's a gentleman. He doesn't force anybody to have a relationship with him that doesn't want one. And so people who reject him get exactly what they want. And so we can argue about this all we want as far as who owned what land and everything, but at the end of the day, it all belongs to him. But let's look at what this is is talking about. In verse number two, it says, I will also gather all nations and bring them down to Valley of Jehoshaphat. You see that Valley of Jehoshaphat again. Look at verse 12, for example. Let the heathen be awakened and come up to the Valley of Jehoshaphat. Uh, so this Jehoshaphat, what is what is what we're talking about here? Well, if you were to go back into your Bibles for sake of time, we're not going to do this, but you can make a little note of it so, so that you can check it later. Second Chronicles chapter 20 and around verse 26, 25, 26, 27, in that ballpark area, you're going to find where Jehoshaphat, he had a valley. And uh, it, was, it was his place, and he actually went to war. And when he goes to war, um, he... The, the battle was given to him by God, and it was, it, was, um, it was a battle that he was assured to win. It was a battle against the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Edomites. They were all coming down, and uh, Jahaziel um, gave him this uh, pro- uh, prophesied on behalf of the Lord. The Lord gave the word to Jahaziel, and he gave it to Jeroboam, or, or uh, to Jehoshaphat, let him know that it was going to be a, a, a victorious battle. And so they were so assured of this that when they were going into battle, they sang praises before they got into the battle. They were so assured of the victory that as they were making their way in, they were singing praise to the Lord who is going to deliver us. 
when they got through with the battle, they were walking out singing Thanksgiving songs. It was a beautiful thing. But what they did was this Valley of Jehoshaphat, they are referring to it as the Valley of Jehoshaphat because this is what was his. But he called it, in, back in Second Chronicles, he called it Baraka, a place of blessing. This Valley of Jehoshaphat is known not only as the Valley of Baraka, not only as the Valley of Jehoshaphat, it is also called the Kidron Valley. But it's also referred to, and we see this in verse 14, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. You see, this place is located directly between Mount Olives and Jerusalem. And it's a wonderful place, if you really think about it, the the placement of it all, because when when Christ returns on his second coming, he's going to come down to the Mount of Olives, and everything's going to be gathered right there, waiting in the valley of decision. And we call it the Valley of Decision because the name Jehoshaphat, and it's put in here in both ways, the Valley of Decision, the Valley of Jehoshaphat, the name Jehoshaphat means the Lord is judge or Jehovah judges. And so here's the setting that Joel is placing for us. Multitudes are gathering together in the valley to be judged. Christ returns, touches down on Mount Olives, and pronounces judgment. I don't know about you, but there's a part of me that just wants to wave a hanky and shout because I'm looking forward to that day. But there's another part of me with fear and trembling. I think of my friends and my family members who are not ready for that day to come. That ought to be something that is sobering to us. It ought to be something that causes us to to seek God in prayer, to lift up those that we love in prayer. This person that I love, he wants nothing to do with you. This person that I love, she has no desire to have a relationship with you. Please reveal yourself in some way. Use me if you need to take my life so that they will come to know Christ as Savior. I'm okay with that. They're not ready for the valley of decision. Do you have that concern? Do you have that feeling? I think of Paul, the way he wrote it, he said, I'd wish myself to be accursed so that they could come to know the saving knowledge of Christ. But you can also look at verse 3. Actually, go back to verse 2 so that we get all this in context. It says, I will also gather all nations and will bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. They have cast lots for my people and have given a boy for an harlot and sold a girl for wine that they might drink. This just lets you know how vile these people were to the people of God. They were taking them into slavery and they were selling a boy so that they could have time with a harlot. Then they also were selling this girl so that they could have a glass of wine. This is how horribly they were treating the people of God. Can can I let you know something? God lets his people here through the mouth of Joel know that he has seen their abuses. 
He lets them know that he has noticed their enemies. But he also lets their enemies know he has seen the abuses. He makes it abundantly clear. Never forget, never forget this, please. That God sees all, knows all. He sees how sin has poisoned our world. He knows your suffering. And while it may seem that people are getting away with it for a time, rest assured, God has a day set apart when he says, I will make things right. Are you struggling this morning because someone did you wrong? And you're wondering, where was God? The same place he was when his son was done wrong right next to him. Are, are, are you struggling, wondering, is, is, is God ever going to do something? Yes, my friend. Yes. There's coming a day when all accounts will be settled. One final warning is presented here in verses eight, uh, 4 through 8. And... Joel passes, uh, he kind of pauses for just a minute. There's there's like this parenthetical statement that is given to us, starting in verse 4, takes down through verse 8. Yea, and what have ye to do with me, O Tyre and Zidon, and all the coasts of Palestine? Will ye render me a recompense? And if ye recompense me swiftly and speedily, will I return your recompense upon your own head? Because ye have taken my silver and my gold and have carried into your temples my goodly pleasant things. The children also of Judah and the children of Jerusalem have ye sold unto the Grecians that ye might remove them far from their border. Behold, I will raise them out of the place whither ye have sold them and will return your recompense on your own head. And I will sell your sons and your daughters into the hand of the children of Judah and they shall sell them to the Sabaeans to a people far off, for the Lord hath spoken it. So Joel makes this sort of parenthetical statement. He pauses before he explains and describes the final judgment to address those who are in danger of righteous retribution. You see, he asks two questions here in verse number four. Or I'm sorry, in verse, yeah, verse number four. He says, uh, yea, and what have ye to do with me, O Tyre and Zidon, and all the coasts of Palestine? Will you render a recompense? Render me a recompense? It's basically the same question, and the way that the wording happens in the Hebrew, it 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 is sort of a restatement. And so what he's saying is, what do you, what do you what do you want? What are you trying to do to me? What, let me ask it this way: Are you trying to repay me for something? And so this is what he's saying in this: that they believed for some reason, and for some uh, some reason they believed that God had owed them something. And many, many today are angry with God because the, uh, they, uh, something that they think he did or maybe that they think he failed to do. And there's a lot of people today who are angry with God for these type of things. I, I, w- I want us to understand that even though we see that God does see all, catch that, not just the physical things. He also sees the heart. He sees the intents. He sees what's taking place here. And there's a lot of people, my friend, a lot of people who are angry with God for something he never did. 
they think that he did something wrong to them or they think that he took something from them or they think that, he, that they're due something and they, they haven't gotten it. Many get mad at God for these things. Uh, but I want us to understand that the enemies of God are not the only ones that do this. These enemies here, they sort of felt that God had owed them something. And so they took it into their own hands to go take it from his children. God owes me this. God took. And they can try to disavow all they want. But God is questioning them. What, are you trying to pay me back for something? You trying to pay me back? It's not gonna go well. You know, sadly, there's a lot of people today who call themselves born again by the Spirit of God. They say things like, well, my life was bad, so I would just ignore God, give them the silent treatment. Well, when God shows this to me or when God does this for me, then I'll follow him. No, 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 my friend. Sometimes people get upset. Well, God did not intervene for me in this situation, and so I'm going to take, the, take control, and I'm going to be in charge because God failed me over here. And so since God failed me over here and he didn't step in, he didn't put a stop to it, I'm going to take charge of my own life. How's it going for you? Are you meeting with success? You know, whenever we try to take charge of something we are not in charge of, it doesn't go well. Let me, let me just kind of put it this way. God is perfect. Can the all-perfect one err? Can he make a mistake? You see, man's thoughts and his reasoning, they're flawed at best. And so maybe when you think he did nothing over here, he was actually doing something over there. And maybe when you're trying to take control over here, you're stopping him from being able to use that in your life in a certain way. And so here I am trying to control the situation that I believe God failed with over here. And I'm stopping him from actually doing what he wants to do in my life. If I would just let go, give it to him. Now, beloved, there are people here that I'm sure are struggling with that bitterness in their heart and in their life about something. Give it over to him. Give it back. Don't pick it back up. Confess this anger. Confess, God, I was mad at you for this. I was, I, 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 and I'm asking you to forgive me of it. I'm repenting. I'm turning away from it. I'm not going to focus on myself anymore. I'm going to focus on you instead. I repent of it, and, and I want to realign everything in its proper place. You are God, and I am not. So I will listen to you and do what you ask of me, and I'll trust you. You did not fail me here. I just don't see it yet. This is where we've got to get ourselves, folks. We've got to get ourselves back in alignment, in proper alignment. Be careful. In verse 8, we see reference to some things that God is going to bring about. 
Many have mistaken this for God getting revenge. No, it's not about God getting revenge. It's about God not ignoring sin. Now, he didn't ignore it in his own children. He doesn't ignore it amongst you and me. He doesn't doesn't ignore it when we do these things. He will not ignore it when the rest of the world does either. This day of the Lord is when God finally calls into account all the things that have been going. And we think people are getting away with it. That's when he says, it's time to pay up. It's time to pay up. When the final day is revealed, starting in verse 9 through the conclusion of the chapter, says there are a couple main points for sake of time. We're just going to look at a few of these things here. A couple main points that I really want to look at. Joel exposes this day. Uh, there's a vastness and an all-encompassing grandeur, but he also exposes the futility of resisting. Look with me at verse 9. It says, Proclaim ye uh, this among the Gentiles, prepare war. Wake up the mighty men, let all the men of war draw near, let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Assemble yourselves and come, all ye heathen, and gather yourselves together round about. This is a, uh, a lot of times we, we miss who he's talking to with this. I want you to note who he's speaking to. Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Then you look down in verse number 11, assemble yourselves and come all ye heathen. Now this is similar to Isaiah's statement when he says, uh, uh, you know, let the weak say I am strong. It's, it's a similar thing here. But what he's trying to pr- uh, 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 put out to us is not, hey, all you people gather, we're getting ready for war for the gospel. What he's saying is, you mighty men, come on to war. You're not going to be able to stand. You, you, you farmers and you, you workers, go ahead and turn those, turn those, uh, those instruments into weapons. <laughs> Get as many people together as you want. Amass an army of everybody on earth to come. They're not going to be able to stand. Even the weak guys, let them try to come out and be strong. It doesn't matter. I am God, and I will stand. This is what he's saying. He's putting it out there. Assemble yourselves and come, all ye heathen. Gather yourselves together for war. Try to come up against me. It's not going to go well for you. Then he says this at the end of verse 11. Thither cause thy mighty ones to come down, O Lord. Let the heathen be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For they will sit to judge all the heathen round about. Didn't know woke theology was in uh, the Bible, did you? There's coming a day when the heathen are going to get woke. I love the way that the Bible lets us know how he's going to do it. We get to this verse 14 here. This word, multitudes, multitudes, it's doubled back to back, giving sort of this understanding of an innumerable. And the word for multitude is the, is the Hebrew word homonym, which literally means a noisy crowd. 
So it's the largest, noisiest crowd you have ever seen in your life. They come together in the Valley of Decision. This Valley of Decision, as I said, was the Valley of Judgment. And so when all these people are gathered round about, it says in verse 15 that again, the sun and the moon shall be darkened and the stars shall withdraw their shining and everything's going to get dark and cloudy. You remember the, the passage that teaches us that when Christ was on the cross, the earth shook. The sun was blotted and things went dark. You see, my brothers and sisters, when God's righteousness is displayed, everything pays attention. The wrath of God was poured out on our Savior on the cross. And it scared the sun, the moon, and the stars. And they hid. This is the Andy Lake hyperactivity paraphrased edition. But when God speaks, the sun and the moon went into hiding. The day of the Lord is going to happen again. Because he wants all attention right here. There's coming a day when our God, look at verse 16. The Lord shall roar out of Zion. Have you ever seen, been present when a lion roared? We were at, a, at the Cincinnati Zoo one time. We saw two things that were just amazing. Number one was a gorilla beating his chest, and it sounded like a xylophone. It was the weirdest thing. I was like... Did that, and Sarah's looking at me like, yeah, I heard it too. I looked on YouTube, Googled it and everything. You know, xylophone chest of a gorilla. I didn't know what else to say. And I couldn't find it anywhere. It was the most amazing thing I had ever seen. I didn't know they could do that. It sounded exactly, sounded like a xylophone. But the lion was in a rare mood that day. And it just, you could hear. I mean, you could feel the vibration of those vocal cords when he was just... And he didn't go full bore. And I was just thinking, I said, man, I hope he just lets loose. This would be awesome. Well, the Lord will roar out of Zion. Notice what it says. He will utter his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth shall shake. Brethren. I want you to see what is being told to us here. That when God speaks, everything in this world will tremble. It's going to be a fearful day for many people. When the multitudes gather in the valley of decision and God's judgment goes forth and the roar of the Lion of Judah comes out and they all fall to their knees and beg for mercy. It'll be too late. But notice the next part of this. The last part of verse 16 says, but the Lord will be the hope of his people. 
and the strength of the children of Israel. Mm. When God speaks, it's a fearful thing. It's a fearful thing, and unbelievers will tremble, but his children will rejoice in his strength. We sang just a moment ago about Christ, our hope in life and death. This is where our hope lies. And so when the lion of Judah roars and he speaks and it's in the valley of decision, when he calls out, he says, those who are mine, come home. Those who are not, get out. It's going to be a beautiful day for some of us. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are too. I hope you're looking forward to it with anticipation. But for some... They're going to tremble. They're going to be afraid. Are you ready for that day? Are you prepared? Let me ask you, based on this, if you were to go back with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30, and we're going to close with this thought. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Yeah, I've heard Joel 3.14, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision used several times. And usually it's used in, uh, in an uh, evangelistic manner. I want you to notice something with me. It's not talking about a time for you to decide whether or not you're... Uh, going to follow him. That's not what is being talked about. It's the time when God decides. God judges. And he will determine who's his and who's not. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, look at verse 15. This is when the people of Israel were getting ready to cross into the land. And talking about God's mercy here, it says, See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil, and that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways and keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shalt be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land whither thou goest over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Brothers and sisters, God has given everyone a choice, life or death, blessing or cursing. He's not going to make you take one over the other. It's your choice. And the day of the Lord will reveal the choice you made. whether you want it or not. And there's coming a day 
when people are going to understand that those false gods that they served were not able to provide anything but death and cursing. Well, that's not fair, is it? He's the only true God. And it's not he's saying, pick me over the rest. He's saying, I'm the only option. Trust me. Follow me. They will lead you to hell. I will lead you to life. This is the call of God. Joel presents it beautifully. He shows to us how we have have been given warnings. He gives to us space and time to repent. He wants us to repent of our whole heart. And so I want you to understand, while God has done exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think, He has made Himself known, and to deny His existence is complete and utter foolishness. He has revealed the warnings uh, and cautions throughout all time. He has given you this choice. What choice are you making? I don't want you thinking about what choice your brother, your sister, your niece, your nephew, your son, your daughter, your mom, or your dad. I'm not asking you what choice they've made. I'm asking you what choice you have made. Are you choosing life? Have you? Have you chosen life and blessing, or have you chosen death and cursing? It's it's not a both. It's neither or. And when that day of the Lord comes, will you tremble or will you rejoice? And then last, are you living in the reality that the Lord is the one and only ruler? Are you living in that reality? If you're living in that reality, you're following him. When I'm not living in that reality is when I follow myself. Joel opens it up for us. Recognize this morning, recognize your need of him. See how you have been given warning after warning. Understand, please understand that time is short. You're not promised tomorrow. You may be okay. You may be thinking, I'm good to go. I'm taken care of. I'm, I've, I've trusted Christ as my Savior. What about your baby? What about your friend? What about that coworker? What about your spouse? What about that neighbor across the street? What that person you say I love you to on the phone? Are they ready? If not, then you've got some work to do. Be praying for them. Be taking the gospel to them. And be living in such a way that they see you committed to something that is real. If this is you this morning and you have not I ask you to turn from yourself and turn to him with your whole heart. Receive the salvation that is offered to him. Understand, 
when that day comes, he will bring all accounts in. And it's time to pay up. And either you will pay or you can let him know Jesus paid it all. That's a beautiful thing. He paid for you. Trust him. Accept his payment. And then follow him resting in the Lion of Judah, our strength. When the day of judgment comes, will your verdict be an everlasting victory? Or will you find yourself marked for death? As Revelation 20.15 says, Whosoever was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. It's a real place. And we need to take it seriously. The day of the Lord is at hand. What are you doing about it? And are you prepared? Sweet Jesus, thank you for the warnings that you give to us through the centuries. Thank you for the warnings that you give to us personally. Calling us closer to yourself. Inviting us to this relationship. Help us, Father, to not take lightly what you have done for us. I pray, Lord, that this time of invitation would be met seriously. And that, Father, we would be giving ourselves to you and bringing our loved ones to you in prayer, lifting them up, begging the God who saved us to woo them and save them as well. And so, Father, help us to be witnesses and help us to be people who make the beauty of God attractive, to not make a mockery of it with hypocritical lives. Thank you for the study in the book of Joel. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. have been listening to Andy Lake, Bible teacher with Grow in Liberty and pastor of Liberty Bible Church. We pray that you were challenged today and encourage you to share this message with your friends and family. If you were motivated in some way to grow in your walk with Christ, please drop us a line and reference the title of today's message. You can access us online at growinliberty.org. Email us at together at growinliberty.org or send us a letter to Liberty Bible Church 2111 Sodom Hutchings Road Vienna, Ohio 44473 If you would like to support Grow in Liberty financially you may also do that at growinliberty.org Thank you so much for joining us today.